Welcome back to the Malinoka Oi Magazine and Silver Shark Media Podcast. I'm Jason Evans of Silver Shark Media. I'd like to welcome our next guest, Chef Alvin Savella, otherwise known as the Kitchen Assassin. Alvin, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Just cruising during this weird time that we're in and being able to take this call and speak my mind a little bit, I guess. Yeah, we, we've all had a little bit of extra time, I guess, than we would have uh, originally anticipated this time of year, to say the least. So For sure. If you live on Maui, hopefully you've had a chance to experience Chef Alvin's cooking either at a restaurant or, if you're lucky enough, one of his beach barbecues. And if you don't live on Maui, I certainly recommend following his Instagram for some of the most kind of creative presentations you're, you're ever going to see. So there's, there's a lot I want to talk to you about today. But let's start at the beginning. What were some of your first inspirations for cooking growing up? I guess some of my first inspirations all started, at, I guess, at home. Everyone in my family knew how to throw down in the kitchen. Not professionally, but everyone from my mom, my grandma, my grandpa, my uncles, my dad, they all cooked. They all knew how to cook. We never really grew up eating out. So we ate all our meals at home. And I learned a lot just from my family growing up, like, even just gardening in the backyard with my mom and um, picking vegetables with my grandma and uh, like even butchering whole cattle, pigs, goats, um, chickens with my dad and my uncles as well. So those are like kind of like my earliest memories of food. So what were some of your favorite dishes that your family made specifically? Like what are some things that just really have a a memory that makes you smile when you think about some of those early, early dishes? Uh, I guess Growing up in our Filipino household, thing that stands out a lot uh, is like adobo, pork adobo, uh, and one like one of like those comfort foods. Growing up, also like raw fish. My cousin and his friends did a lot of fishing, so those are some of like my favorite things growing up. So, at what point did you start to realize that it it went from kind of just enjoying food, being around food, to I think I might want to pursue a career in the culinary world? I I think it was right around midway through senior year and everybody was starting to ask me what are my plans upon graduation. And at the time I didn't know, you know, and I was working in um, kitchens throughout high school. And like, I know I knew how to uh, handle my own in the kitchen. And I think it was like right around almost toward the end of my senior year back in 2003, uh, I told myself, maybe I'll, take cooking as a career, you know, or make or pursue um, cooking as a career. And I I wanted to leave home for a little while. And um, I found myself in Southern California. I went to culinary school at the Art Institute of California, had my associates in two years and then got my bachelor's in uh, restaurant management in third year. Nice. So that was like my start. And then you, did you stay in California for some of your first jobs out of school? Yeah, I worked throughout culinary school, um, but I stayed in California for 10 years. I worked in a lot of studios, Paramount. Um, I worked at USC doing catering. I um, worked for the Ritz-Carlton Marina Del Rey Journey Restaurant at the time for five years. Yeah, that was my most of my time out there what did you learn in that time that you've been kind of able to utilize even now as your career continues to grow what did I learn out there I there was a lot I learned in (laughs) my time uh, in California that I I I don't think I would have like picked up over here you know Um, 
I worked for Paramount and Sony doing catering and USC. And I remember doing the Grammys for 5,000 people or something. And I remember just cutting strawberries for 14 hours. And I was like, (laughs) what the hell am I doing? You know, that's so tedious. Just 14 hours of just cutting a pallet of culling pallets of strawberries, you know, and it was like, I think two of us. And it was like, I don't know. uh, I remember just staring at the wall and driving home that night. I was like, what the heck am I doing? You know, but (laughs) I guess, I guess I always think back and, you know, it's all doing our time, you know, right. Um, I ended up after all of like these catering gigs throughout culinary school, I ended up at um, the Ritz-Carlton Marina del Rey. And one thing cool uh, I thought while I was there is there was at the time a lot of like chef turnover, you know, Mm -hmm. um, between chef de cuisines, executive chefs. And in five years there, I I think I had maybe between chef de cuisines and executive chefs as my supervisor, um, probably 10 to 12 um, chefs and it was a lot of turnover, but at the same time it was beneficial for a lot of us young cooks that were in there because we were able to take a little bit out of everyone in that time, you know, like learn a little piece of everything. We had guys from Spain, Turkey, a lot of like Mediterranean stuff. And then we get South Central America kind Mm -hmm. um, from other chefs and just learning, learning all different cuisines, and and I didn't have to really leave to go anywhere. You know, it was there for me to take in and sure. I guess build my own repertoire. But I think even in in you know those last couple examples you have, especially the the fourteen hours of of cutting thousands of strawberries, I think is so important for up and coming chefs and and people in any industry really to understand the detail that at the time you might not see it, as you said, you're staring at a wall, like what am I doing with these strawberries? But looking back, I think it certainly speaks to, you know, the detail that if you want to run a restaurant, if you want to run a kitchen, um, those things are important. And those things are important for younger chefs to kind of pick up along the way. Yeah. It teaches like time and patience, you know, nothing, nothing just comes and gets handed to you. You have to, uh, work for it, earn your way to get to where you want in this industry. So what ended up bringing you back to Maui? I was working as a kitchen supervisor and I don't know, I kind of was poking around at different chef jobs around the country. I had the opportunity in 2012, I, I was invited to go to the Western KOR to be a sous chef there. So back in 2012, I took the job at Western KOR as the resort sous chef so i came home nice and since then you've certainly made an impact on on the different restaurants that that you've led each each step along the way yeah i've been home from there i was i think the sous chef there for two years and then got promoted to chef de cuisine of pulehu which is also at the kwar also at the time uh, this brand called true cooks started making their way through social media and i became one of their sponsored cooks and uh, i guess that's where kind of like my whole social media took off i never really knew anything about it but they kind of helped me build like an online presence for myself and everyone that's involved in that brand yeah and that that's Certainly, you know, something I, that I want to talk to you about in, in today's age, you know, people have, have started to see, especially recently, I think the the power of social media. But 
I feel like you were ahead of the curve on this. And I, I feel like you've built a really strong following and you did it really early on. But when did you first really start seeing the potential of social media as a, a business tool, as almost a visual resume for your work? I mean, I started using, I think, Instagram, I think in 2013. And man, I never thought much of it, but I, I've seen, I was keeping an eye on like notable chefs around the country on there and how they manage their online presence. And I kind of slowly like took my Instagram from all my personal stuff and just focused on things I did in the kitchen, you know, like I, I'm doing it anyway for my job and my work. And I thought it'd be cool to just document everything um, that I do, whether it's like cooking dishes, making specials and present it on social media in a way that'll, I guess, visually attract anyone that would open up any of my pages, I guess. Yeah, it stands out. And, and I think, you know, one thing I have to imagine, and again, going back to the strawberries is it's not like you just, you know, put a couple photos up and the next thing you know, you have know, over 65,000 followers, that almost, I would have to imagine, is like a second job for you and how you approach it, how you manage it. I can only imagine, you know, there, there's been ideas that you have that maybe you've pulled back on and haven't posted because you want them to, to look a certain way. What has that process been like for you in terms of, you know, continuing to build your presence? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you make sure when you put stuff out there, it's your best work you know everyone sees it and i've i've randomly put videos on there that hit uh, like almost a million views and i'm like how is this even possible you know (laughs) but it but it's going so you you always have to be mindful of you know if you're trying to build a brand or whatnot do you think social media has had an impact on restaurants and let's talk restaurants globally not just on maui but in restaurants in the way that I kind of feel that food presentation has sort of gone through this evolution maybe in the last 10 years. And it's probably a combination of social media and, and food network and, and the cooking channel. But, but do you see that impact on how other chefs or how chefs approach presenting dishes or assembling dishes? Yeah, I, I see how it made an impact on the industry. You know, um, we see magazines, uh, we see advertisements everywhere, but, you know, everyone's on their phones every day in this day and age and posting pictures on social media has been like beneficial for all, like any business that is marketing on there, you know? Sure. Well, it is culinary arts. And I think that the social media side and the photography side certainly shows the art behind the presentation of a dish, whether it's, you know, color palettes, whether it's, you know, symmetry, you certainly run the whole spectrum of them all. So, you know, we talked about social media and also television and, and food network type things. You've also done food network. You were on Beat Bobby Flay. What was that experience like on your end? Um, because I, I know from the production side, there is a big difference in a television studio setup and let's say your restaurant kitchen that you're familiar with. So, you know, people might only see a 10 or 15 minute edited version of your experience. But what was it like for you, you know, kind of taking part in a in a television production like that yeah it was i was on beat bobby flay last year but we filmed it like two years ago and it took a year to hit tv but that was a very cool experience i flew out to new york um for four days and filming and production was only one day um Mm -hmm. early in the morning you get there at 
10 in the morning and you, TV, you only see like 20 minutes of pretty much the show, but there is, yep. <laughs> I think we're in the studio for like 10 hours, you know, um, yep. some downtime waiting and there's some things that needs to be shot again and again. And it was definitely a cool experience and being able to like venture off in New York for a few days and do filming there was definitely fun. Do you have ambitions to try to do more TV content like that? Um, yeah, if the opportunity presents itself or if something pops up, I'll probably try and get on another one in the future. Awesome. Well, I think even being on it once, like you said, getting used to the production side of it. Uh, I am on the production side and I see how we hold people up for those. We're the ones that are holding you up for 10 hours when you're like, hey, I thought I just had to cook for 30 minutes. Why do I have to stand over here in this light? So let's let's transition back to cooking here on Maui a little bit. So you, you've led culinary teams at a few of Maui's top resorts, top restaurants. What's your approach when you look to set up a menu? My approach... I lean strong on the seafood side and, you know, like growing up here in Hawaii, we get nice fresh seafood and it's kind of like one of my strengths and taking like fresh seafood and I guess presenting it in like a more, I guess, dramatic style is kind of like how I, I guess my approach to taking on food. What are some challenges that you've had to kind of overcome through your different steps at, at these different restaurants with whether it be setting up a menu or maintaining a certain menu or a dish that you, you know, really want to try to aim higher for? One of the biggest like challenges in this is, I guess, the volume sometimes. Some of um, the things I do and put together can be a bit time consuming. And even some, I remember some of my cooks saying, well, that's a lot of steps, you know, and, <laughs> um, and in, in the real world environment, when we're busy and we need to get food out, you know, it's difficult to put together some dishes, some of my dishes that, that have a lot of touches. Sure. Um, so that's been kind of one of my challenges. I remember trying to do some table side dishes and I remember doing this ramen when back when I was uh, at the Ritz Carlton couple of Tree, where every every time someone ordered that dish, I was at the table uh, using a hot infusion siphon at the table to present my broth. So I, I mean, at first it was like it, the dish. I mean, I was doing a lobster ramen for sixty five dollars, and sixty five dollars is a lot of uh, money for um, a bowl of ramen. And sure. So it was, I was like, oh, I wasn't going to sell much. And, you know, I do it five, 10 times a night. <laughs> and it was, it was going out to the dining room and doing this. And every, everyone I have to do, it takes like three to five minutes. Um, yeah. And it, it gets time consuming and it got popular. And I remember doing like 25, 30 a night. And I was like, oh man, I don't know if we can do this. Like, <laughs> like. Trying to do that and trying to maintain food quality and making sure the rest of the food goes out properly as well has kind of been challenging, you know? Yeah. It, it has to make you feel proud on one end for, you know, exceeding your expectations. But as you said, be kind of like, huh, I, I didn't plan on it being that popular to, to manage the rest of everything I need to get to. Yeah. 
So my co-host on this podcast is Diane Woodburn. She's a publisher of Malinoka Oi Magazine. Um, they also run uh-huh. the Ipono Awards, which for those who don't live here, um, I guess you mentioned the Grammys earlier, Grammys, Emmys, Oscars, you know, would be a comparison for the Maui culinary scene. So arguably the most competitive and prestigious award is the Chef of the Year Award that they do each year, mainly because it's voted on by other chefs. It's not just the general public or readers of the magazine. So... In 2018, you won your first Chef of the Year award. And I know it was emotional for you because I was I had a camera in my hand. I was filming your reaction about five feet away from you. But what was that moment like for you when you heard your name called as the Ipono Chef of the Year? It was overwhelming, I guess. Um, nothing I, I, I guess, expected. I, 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 even now, I still have, like, I'm lost for words that I was even nominated by my peers for getting that award, but emotions were so high. Um, I had a lot of support from everyone, and I don't know, I just just thankful for being here and the community and being able to do what we do for Maui. Well, it's, it, it certainly, I can certainly appreciate the enormity of it for you, because obviously Maui has a, an all-star roster of, of different chefs spread out across the island, so when, when you're the one that that's kind of selected as that it really is a, a, a top honor to get that i would that i would put with you know if you don't live here maybe it might not be as understandable but i would put that with any restaurant magazine or food magazine in the country when you really look at the scope of talent that's so concentrated on this little island so it was awesome to see you win that and, and join the other great chefs that that have won that in the past for sure so is one of the voters for the chef of the year for other chefs. What do you look for when you make your vote each year for chef of the year? I guess what I look for is a chef that's been a- around doing what we do, not just culinary wise, but you know what what they give, what they do to give back yeah. to the community. You know, that's it isn't just about you yourself and your restaurant. It's about what you can do for everyone else as well. Well, which is something you you have been doing through the last few months, I, I know as well. So as we get into the conversation about what 2020 has been like, when did you first kind of grasp the severity of what was happening in terms of looking at it from a restaurant viewpoint, from a business um, The whole like COVID thing uh, was kind of like at the back of my head. Now. My fiance is from... Thailand and she was talking about it early back in January and February and I was like what are you even talking about yeah. you know and uh, like we're out here away from all of that at the time and it slowly made it its way here and more people started talking about it here and um, I remember doing like daily lineups and my cooks would be like oh uh, well we're gonna be out of the jobs anytime soon or what you know this was back in late February and I was like oh no man we just we just uh, do what we do and we'll find out. And what was that? March, March. 24th was yeah. our last day in uh, Humu and been on furlough ever since. Yeah, I mean, what is that? You have a team that works with you and you understand that you're going to have to shut down and shut down quick. What goes through your mind from, you know, the sense of getting everything in the restaurant locked down and you know, we sit here now with uncertainty. Back in March, we wondered if restaurants would be back open again by June. Now it's July, maybe August, and, and things kind of change each day. What what was that like for you in terms of having to oversee sort of 
instead of launching a restaurant, kind of closing down a restaurant for a little bit? Yeah, it was weird because after the start of the new year, I lost a few cooks. Um, so I was like running short staff for three months. And the day uh, I was finally full staffed back in March, I had to tell my new employees, mm. as well as my um, like other employees that we might not be working in a few days. So it was it was a weird time. And I, I talked to my cooked separately and like one I remember one of them telling me about like oh man I need my two jobs to to even live here you know like yeah. living in Hawaii is expensive and now not just him but everyone else is without a job and yeah a few of my cooks I've seen and you know they're just they they just said oh you know just hanging in there and I, I have a few cooks that are from out of state and they're like oh I don't know how long I can you know last living out here which is you know sad to hear yeah um something you can't prepare none of us can prepare for you know almost in in almost every industry so you know we, sure. the, the the grand and you're also the head chef we haven't really established but you currently you're the head chef at humu at the grand wailea and, and the grand has been yeah. very very generous and very big in kind of community support during these furloughed times can you tell me about kind of some of the things that from the culinary side of the kitchen side um, that you guys have been doing, even while the restaurant's been closed, still sort of helping out in the community. Yeah. Uh, chef Ryan, chef Mike, a bunch of uh, the other chefs at the grand, like, and not just the chefs, but everyone else at the grand has been um, doing um, a lot of food drives and to keep up and giving back to the community, you know, uh, it's definitely like one of the good things and, great things um, that Grand Wailea has been doing. And um, again, speaking of this week, Friday, we're doing a food drive at the Grand Wailea. I think we're giving out 1,200 um, boxes. So I'll be there helping out the team on uh, Friday. Awesome. So things are changing day by day um, with, with information that you know, we get that resorts get that the state gets. So I, I'm not going to hold you to any of this. But what do you envision the reopening process looking like whenever that is the social distancing thing? And I've hear I hear um, like limiting limiting our like restaurant capacity uh, by half. You know, if we do that, we still we I still can't bring back all of my cooks, you know, it's yeah based on how many people we can actually sit is how many people I can actually bring back. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean, oh, we're going back. It's not, it doesn't mean everyone's going back is my thought. And I, I imagine that's, you know, another hard step of this whole process of if you're an airline, a hotel and a restaurant amongst other industries for sure. But in terms of the travel and tourism world and the resort economy here is heavily based on tourism, you know, the impact of restaurants, I, I think, it's not going to just be a light switch and, and go back to normal right away. I, I think there's going to have to be, you know, time and adaptations, but certainly hopefully the brand and product brings people back as that becomes safer to do so. In this, I guess, industry, we face a lot of long days, long hours, and, and now we face unprecedented times and we don't know what's going to happen, but I wish everyone like good health and well-being in, for now and the future. 
what are your hopes for the future of the, of the restaurant world? Just even big picture. It doesn't have to be your restaurant in particular. I just hope we can go back to what we were, um, where we were, you know, or it, like I, I love dining out. I love going out and dining and experiencing uh, other people's food, other people's cooking and being able to even, I like, I base a lot of my travel on where I want to go eat in this world, you know? So mm-hmm. I wish we can one day, I guess, go back to that but i mean based on current <laughs> situations it's kind of hard to see that happening but I'll, I'll be hopeful i i will shift this back to to happier conversation who are some of the chefs that you really love what they're doing right now and that could be maui that could be anywhere in the world one of the chefs that i've been i my eye out on and um, I, I dined in his restaurant. Gagan Anand, he is from India, but he is in Thailand. He did have the number one restaurant in Asia at one point. And I remember going to that restaurant and we had sat down for like four and a half hours. And oh my gosh. He had a 25 course meal all paired uh, with wine. And I thought that was like one of the cooler dining experiences I had. And I, I'll never forget it. Every every course had some sort of story. Someone came out here, told a story, or there was some sort of action. It wasn't just food um, being dropped off, and um, there was so much detail and timing was like impeccable. And I'll never forget uh, that dining experience. Yeah, I think experience is the, is the word there. A true, you know, overall experience. Well, Alvin, if, if people want to follow you on social media, which I highly recommend if they're not doing so already, where would they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Kitchen Assassin. Awesome. And then for our listeners, also, you can log on to MauiMagazine.net and they can find your pork belly recipe on the MauiMagazine.net website, along with a feature, a very nice feature they did on you back in, I think, February 2019. So search chef's name on the MauiMagazine.net homepage. It'll take you right there. Alvin, I I really thank you for your time. Um, It was great talking about different aspects of the culinary arts and and the path that has taken you from Maui to the mainland and then back here again. And hopefully folks will be able to enjoy your culinary preparations uh, sooner rather than later. All right, on, brother.